0: from the Gospel of John, the Apostle whom Jesus loved. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from the scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Jesus appeared in them. Mary Magdalene, when the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. And they asked her, Woman, why are you crying? And they have taken my Lord lady, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking it was a gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him, and I will get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father, your Father, to my God, and to your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I've seen the Lord and she told them that that he had said these things to her. The word of God for the.
1: together let us begin by praying. god we pray to you the resurrected savior in this day oh god still our hearts and our minds may we be receptive to your spirit that blows through and brings color amen We always visualize Easter as taking place in the bright and shine of morn, do we not? I always imagine the brass section playing and lights and lilies, of course, Though we've taken most lilies out, in case you didn't know, because of allergies. (laughs) (laughs) But, probably in your history, you probably had Easter cantatas and there was trumpets playing and during the light of day. Isn't that the way God broke tomb, the closed tomb for all to see? Well, not really. It didn't happen like that. There wasn't trumpets playing, no lilies that I know of. And if I was God, which is a scary thought, I would have torn out of that tomb, done it in the highest, holiest, brightest time of day, and probably flown out, and told all the people who would listen, I am alone. was dead, but now I'm alive. Wouldn't you do it that way? To be known? But how did it happen? It was in the dead of night, so no one could see. That's really great. In fact, we have no record or recording of the actual resurrection when Jesus actually came back alive. There was no eyewitnesses that we know of, maybe a bad or two. But this nocturnal resurrection
2: wasn't glammed up.
1: It was silent. The, the scripture is silent about this, in this particular act of coming alive. It wasn't until a woman, a scandalous woman at that, we hear it by tradition, Mary Magdalene, comes to the tomb early on Sunday while it was still dark, that somebody, anybody, had a clue. And this is what strikes me about the text. I didn't get very far. I was was stuck in verse 1. And I thought, if Mary has come while it's still dark, Jesus must have risen while it was even darker. The Gospel of John has the resurrection taking place under the cover of darkness. We usually go past this to the main story, and then we bring in the trumpets and the lilies and the lights. But we have to begin here in the dead of night. Our Hebrew scriptures reflect this Ancient stories that speak of a God Who works at night As one teacher says It's under the cover of darkness That slaves cross the rivers into freedom Dry bones rise up to live The fiery furnace of the tyrant Nebuchadnezzar Is dark And long before any human eyes Have opened A blue-green world is given light in a sheltering dome of air, while the land, sea, and sky are filled with fruitful creatures of every shape and kind. From the very beginning, God has called new life out of darkness, often against great odds. So to put it in modern setting, what what comes to my mind as I think of what seems to be a random question. What is your favorite fire? You look at me strangely. Okay, the right answer is a campfire. <laughs> okay, how many of you are in Scouts of some sort? Okay, so put up the, you know, Girl Scouts, it's the three fingers main things you learn in your early scouting days, how to build a campfire, but isn't it hilarious, like we're not allowed to, to light the fire yet and do it at dark, we, we practice, indeed we practice during the day, I don't know about you, but we even built a, a tent in the front yard during the day of somebody's house, not in a camp setting, and it wasn't only until after you practiced and they taught you, okay, first you bring, what. What do you bring first to build a fire? Okay, and then the kindling. Yes, the way we and then we had to make this like triangular formation. Yes, yes, okay. (laughs) Honestly, they taught me this, and I still can't build a campfire. (laughs) Um, But one of the things that you know, because we had we had a fireplace in our home, but I don't know about you, but there's something about being in the cold at night. and burning and giving you warmth. There's nothing like that. I'm sure all of your minds go back to some memory of a campfire. It's a powerful symbol of light. Even in the dark, it's all the more outstanding because of that darkness. Which is probably why I have a, a strange fascination with the macabre. My favorite holidays are Ash Wednesday and Good Friday. And my favorite writers are among many, but Flannery O'Connor and John Steinbeck. In fact, I highly recommend The Winter of Our Discontent and read it every Good Friday. I think it's because the light looks so much brighter and attractive when it's set against the darkness. Thus, why Easter feels so much different when we've sung a good many rounds of O Sacred Head, O Wondrous Love, and we've heard and felt the close of Good Friday. This is why I think Catholics get it right when they do Easter. How many of you have ever been to an Easter vigil? Any? A couple of you. They have a beautiful service that's done after sunset on the Saturday before Easter, or I call it Easter Eve. And sometimes the true Orthodox actually started at midnight. In this particular year, I find it meaningful because one of my very good friends, Laura, became a Catholic last night. She took her first communion at Easter Vigil, and we were talking even since then. And she told me about that she had struggled. She has struggled so long to find light in her life. And she said the most beautiful part of the service is that the whole congregation comes and sits in the dark. So it's about, hers started at 7.30, and they build this fire pit. It's like how, if we had built a fire pit with wood and started lighting the fire, and then they, they put incense, and they bring the Christ candle, a light and a flame from this fire pit of light. Beautiful first ritual of the service. And I, I started sort of imagining Providence, Providence. <coughs> Beginning this new tradition, and I, I wondered how many of you would, would be up here with me at midnight on Saturday night. I, I'm pretty amazed, amazed, and moved by those of you who came on Maundy, Thursday, and Good Friday. I'm moved because I look at the disciples in this story and their response. It's pitiful, to use the best word I know. In fact, I know I'm going to meet Peter one day, but I'm, I'm describing him this year as a cockroach. <laughs> because, okay, so Mary goes and says, you know, somebody's taken this body. And like cockroaches, they scurry around. Peter, I mean, they're describing—they're moving, they're, run- they're running, and, and they see these linen wrappings perfectly. And then they scurry back quickly to the home they crawled out of. That's it. says, in the Gospel of John, most of the action in the light of Easter Day is made up of people literally running around trying to come to terms with what God has done in the night. And then this, this is what I want you to hear. God raises the dead before the world is fully awake to what is happening. We are caught off guard and struggle to catch up. This is why Aaron Price who most of you know, nine-year-old, who um, came to free-for-all this Thursday, where we talk about the upcoming scripture. She said, why would these disciples just go back home? She said, that's weird. After they've lived a miracle. From the mouth of babes. I think it's because most of us don't look in the dark places for miracles. We don't expect graves to open up. That's right. We don't expect death to be conquered. We don't expect these tiring and distraught circumstances we're in to lead to a close encounter of a God kind. But the women do. I love it. See, they're used to crawling around in the dark. They're used to doing the dirty work, like anointing dead bodies, like staying in the dark and doing some powerful testifying. So aren't we the ones surprised when God uses these less than reliable witnesses to share a story about something that happened in the dark? Man, God could really use a better press secretary, I'm just saying. (laughs) What I Christianity is this that it's not neat, that it doesn't tie up in a bow, that there are four tellings of it. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John's account. How many angels? How many women? But to me, this all the more confirms its truth. It includes all of our stories, it includes a savior that dies as a redemptive act, not a Hollywood ending but not with fanfare, but doubting disciples. What is it about those people? We know those people. We've been those people that live in darkness, that get the resurrection better than we do. Like slaves that wrote these faith-filled African-American spirituals. Like our Cuba friends who, under certain oppressions and scarce resources, still find the light Like our homeless brothers and sisters. The weepers like Mary that get it. But the ones busy running around, we don't get it. We miss the light in the darkness. But the good news, this is good news, is that God loves those who are still in the dark. God keeps shining the light. God keeps reaching out to the Peters of the world like we said at Free For All. Though we are caught off guard and deny that we know or need him, Jesus keeps seeking us, showing us his hand and his side. He keeps making those campfires. He keeps calling us to the light, even in the cold. The thing I love, though, most about this resurrection story, and I get to preach it every year, and I love it. In fact, I thought, if you're a pastor and don't like to preach Easter, it's a good sign. Because I struggle with Palm Sunday, and i got to say, I struggle with um, Transfiguration, coming up with something sort of new every time. But Easter Sunday, there's there's always something that sort of sparks. And, and this was my favorite this year, what I found. Is that even in the midst of darkness, when Mary goes to the tomb, there's an opening. See, there wasn't supposed to be an opening. The tomb was supposed to be closed shut. So at first she's scared or mad, thinking the grave robbers had been there, like Martha said. In fact, that's why John, by the way, goes into such detail that the linen wrappings were there and the head cloth, because if there was a grave robber, they wouldn't have stopped to take delicately all the cloths off. So at first, when she tells the disciples of this opening, the stone rolled away, it seems to be a scary thing. But the second time, if you notice the text, She sees the opening differently. In fact, if you notice, it says in her weeping, she bends over and looks into the tomb. In the darkness, in this opening, she sees the light. I love and I quote from my new favorite Bible, the Jesus Storybook Bible, Sophia's Bible. It says, A shining man was there, clothes made of lightning. Don't be scared. The angel said, but she screamed anyway. Could she help it? The angels asked her, what are you doing here? This is a tomb and tombs are for dead people. She couldn't speak. Jesus isn't dead anymore. He's alive again. And her heart left. And the angel laughed with such gladness that she felt for a moment as if she'd woken from a nightmare. Jesus comes to end the nightmares, to end the night, to end the darkness. But until we know Christ, this light seems pale. In fact, I would say most of us can tell about a stretch of our lives that was a pretty long nightmare. But the good news this morning is that even in the dark, there is an opening, an opening so wide this time that the light of all heaven and earth came through it. And out of the opening, the King of kings and the Lord of lords walks or flies out. And now everywhere where Christ goes, he brings light. So friends, perhaps for you, if there is darkness, perhaps a night stretch or season in your life, hear this story I love this story told by John Buchanan he's the editor of Christian Century and a pastor of a small church for 24 years and he tells actually personal story about his wife who's keeping vigil with her dying father which as chaplains we know most people die in the night very interesting But she's with her father all night, who is dying, and he says, John, as he's telling the, reporting the story, my wife sat by his bedside all night long, holding her father's hand, and I asked, what did you do all night long? What did you say? And appropriately, she responded, I ran out of things to say. So I sang all the Easter hymns I could remember, and I said, Easter's coming, Daddy. Easter's coming. The good news is that Easter is not only coming, it has come. Amen? Amen. Amen. And Christ can even light a fire on our soaked ground, our dark, damp, and musty soul, maybe our cockroachy soul, With twigs, the knotty and gnarly broken branches that we are, God uses and sets afire a new life out of darkness. Amen? Amen?